All righty. How's it going today, Coop? It's going. How are you? Doing well, doing well. All right. What are we talking about today? We have some good topics. I know we've been discussing over this last week. Oh, yeah. We actually have been talking about it for a week instead of like that one to two days before. Like, what are we going to talk about? I know. I was yeah. super excited about this one. <laughs> so we were talking about it for a while this week, but I just want to uh, basically recap on uh, what's happening now based off of people and buyers using appraisal gap guarantees or uh, waivers in the, um, since earlier this year, basically, you know, how is it affecting the market? How were sellers able to benefit and whatnot? They definitely have a story for that. Very cool. So we're going to be talking basically all appraisals today. It sounds like. Yes, nice. I know. <laughs> Super exciting things. Well, I mean, I think just to kind of get us started, um, let's talk about what an appraisal is. Cause you know, everyone has misconceptions or they hear it. Oh, appraisal, this appraisal, that it's not going to meet appraisal or it's over appraised value, but let's kind of like start from the ground up and like talk about what an appraisal actually is. So yeah. an appraisal is, uh, is ordered by the lender for the investor and the investor is the person lending the money. They mm -hmm. are going to go out, uh, they're ordered by them. They have, it's a independent third party, uh, person that goes out, uh, that does an, an appraisal. Basically he'll, he or she will do an assessment on the property based on comparable properties that have sold in the neighborhood. Typically they use homes that have sold in the last 90 days and within usually a quarter mile radius, similar homes. So homes that are, if you're selling a three bedroom, two bath home, that's 1500 square feet. They're going to try to find other 1500 square foot or approximately 1500 square foot in a quarter mile radius that have sold in the last 90 days. And then they're going to do a comparison yeah. on uh, the property, your, the subject property with the property that's in question compared to those properties it, you know, is it built better? Is it updated? Is it not updated? Does it back a busy road? Does it have a swimming pool? Does it not have a swimming pool? Is it two story, single story? And they're going to do a comparison on the two properties and come up with an opinion of value. So it's an opinion of value for that one person, that one appraisal for the lender. Now it works yeah. to the buyer's favor too, because they get to see what an independent third party uh, is appraising the property at. But yeah. the actual value is more to protect the lender who's putting up, you know, 80, 90, 95% of the money um, they want to make sure if something happens and you can't pay for it, that they're going to get the most money back or close to it as possible. Is that a yes. good description of that? <laughs> yes, that was a good one indeed. So Did basically, I miss anything? yes, that was an appraisal in a nutshell. I would have to say one minute. Good job. You explained it very well. Um, yeah. It. So that's what essentially the appraisal is. Okay. You know, and once people have that, now we can go into what had actually happened. Yes, let's do it in which in Arizona, um, you guys have a different name. So you go ahead and explain that and we'll just jump back into Michigan. Okay. So there's a couple different, there's a couple different names. We're talking about, you want to talk about the appraisal guarantee, correct? Yes. That's where we're going to. Okay. So the appraisal guarantee, what we call here in Arizona, is called an appraisal gap or an appraisal gap waiver. You might hear it uh, called, you might hear it uh, called an appraisal contingency waiver. They're all very similar, but I explained the last one. I want to hear your explanation of an appraisal guarantee, and then I'll kind of jump in and fill in the blanks. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> okay, so um, an appraisal guarantee, if 
um, I'll just throw out an example because I like to compare it to sure. numbers because, you know, we are comparing numbers essentially. Yes. So yeah. I have a $500,000 home. Multiple buyers are on this property. They want to make an offer. There's multiple offers. And the only way to compete is adding more cash. So when someone adds more cash, they could add an appraisal gap guarantee to solidify how much they go over if the appraisal comes in below. So if a home is at $500,000 and someone comes in at $25,000 above, offers an appraisal gap guarantee, that is the official sold price. So having these appraisal gap guarantees are just making sure that the seller is able to have the buyer bring cash to the table if the lender doesn't see that home is appraising at what it should be. Okay, so basically, if you come in with an offer price of $500,000 and the appraisal, the, the contract price is $500,000. So you got it, you get into contract, then the appraiser comes out and they say, well, actually it's only worth four. We're, we, our opinion of value is 480,000. So the appraisal comes in at $480,000. That appraisal guarantee of $25,000 that you mentioned up to the contract price will basically mean that that buyer will have to come in with that additional $20,000 to cover that spread. Yes. So they'll do it up to a maximum of $25,000 with your example. Correct. Okay, cool. So that is, and that's very similar to, to Arizona. We have, it, it's what's called an appraisal gap. So that gap between the purchase price and the appraisal price, you can set a number so we can say, okay, we're going to pay up to 10. We're going to do an appraisal gap of $10,000. So we'll cover that spread by $10,000 or 20,000, whatever yeah. that number you and your agent negotiate or talk about and are comfortable with. That's the number that you would, you would put in there. Now, one thing I know we do here on the listing side, because sometimes these numbers get quite high. Um, I've seen appraisal gap numbers. <laughs> I've seen unlimited ones, which are, that's just a, a complete waiver of the contingency, uh, which I'll get to that in a minute. But we've seen, I've seen 50,000, 70,000, $80,000. Um, and so what, what I do uh, as a listing agent, when I'm protecting the seller and working from the seller to make sure that we can actually close on these properties, because if it doesn't appraise for 50 or $60,000, that buyer is liable to come up with that money or they basically have to walk away from the contract, losing their earnest mm -hmm. money and whatever they put into the, into the, the deal so far. Um, I'll ask for a proof of funds for the, for that difference to make sure that they have the di that differential because the proof of funds um, goes to the lender to make sure that they have enough for the down payment, but there is no technically no lent, no uh, proof of funds for that difference. So I want to make sure for my sellers that they have a, uh, a proof of funds letter or a bank statement showing that they have, if they're saying that they're going to do an appraisal gap waiver for $50,000 or $20,000, that they have <laughs> Show that me extra, the money that they exactly, <laughs> they have that extra 20 grand to put into the deal or 50 grand to put into the deal. Otherwise we're not accepting it because anyone can write numbers and cancel a deal. Yes. They'll lose their yes. earnest money, but it's, you know, sometimes it's not worth going back to market. We want to make sure once we get under contract, it's like solidified as best we can to protect both parties. Yes, completely agree. Awesome. Um, what else on that topic? I know um, I touched a little bit on a contingency waiver, and that is basically very similar to the gap. It's just the waiver means you're waiving of the entire contingency. So on the contract, there is a contingency for that appraisal. If you waive the entire appraisal, 
that means it doesn't matter what the appraisal comes in at. If it comes in at $50,000 below, $150,000 below, or $1,000 below, or, you know, we're, all talk, we're always talking about below, it could come in above as well. And you can get a deal <laughs> here. But in yeah. the market we're currently in, in 2021, um, things are, there's more buyers than there are sellers. And things are typically going yes. well over asking and selling for more than what homes in the neighborhood have sold for previously. So yeah. that's why we're talking about these, these waivers. So if you waive it completely, it doesn't mean that the lender doesn't do an appraisal because they will. It means that if you <laughs> don't have the difference, if you, uh, if there is a difference, you're going to be covering that entire spread. Doesn't matter what it's at. Now, I know that sounds like super scary. I know you mentioned it earlier. You're like, oh my God, I've never done that. But <laughs> I, I think I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because um, yes, it does sound scary. hundred percent agree. You know, like you're waiving an entire contingency and it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. And it's not for someone that if you're, you know, that's not experienced and looking at comparable mm -hmm. properties, when you're mm -hmm. writing these offers, we are looking as agents, we're doing uh, a comparative market analysis. We're seeing what other homes have sold for in the neighborhood. Right. So we're yeah. looking at, okay, this home here, you know, it's priced at 500,000 and all the other homes in this neighborhood within the quarter mile radius that are very similar they're they've sold for 450. So in my, when I'm educating my clients, I'm telling them, okay, these are, you know, we, our appraisal will probably go in a little bit high, come in a little higher than that 450 average. If we're comparing apples to apples, because the market is so hot right now and there are more buyers, it's driving the demand up and they take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. Now it's a, it, I don't know the percentage or the exact percentage because there is no exact science. It is an <laughs> opinion of value. So, but I do take that into consideration. So I give them a range. I'll say, you know what? It'll probably appraise between 450 and maybe 460, 465. Maybe this home had a pool, the other ones didn't. So it might be a little bit more, but I'll give them a range. It's so if we did say, hey, we're going to go in at 500,000 and waive all appraisal contingency, well, chances are it's not going to appraise <laughs> below 450. I mean, that's pretty much solid. There's compared, there's yeah. hard facts that, that prove that there are other homes that have sold for that price point. So the gap, right? The gap is $50,000 basically. Yes. And the reason I like to use I would, you know, these, the contingency waiver, the complete contingency waiver works in some certain uh, instances is because you got to think about when, when the seller's agent is going to present all the offers to the seller, when they waive an, uh, a contingency completely, that is now completely off the table. All the verbiage of that, that contingency is completely <laughs> off the table. And it just, it just makes it go a little bit smoother for the sellers for knowing that this guy or person is going to be uh, closing and they'll pay the difference no matter what it is. But we know as buyer's agents, it's probably not going to be more than 40, you know, the most 50, but it's probably going to be like between 30 and 40, which someone could have wrote in appraisal gap of $30,000 or $20,000. Yeah, but when you waive it completely, it does give you a little bit more leverage over, over just uh, a gap. Now I'm not saying and to do that. Every situation is different, you know, talk to your agent, but those are, we're just kind of comparing what, uh, what we see here. Now, I know you yeah. see a lot of things different uh, up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just having a, I mean, I guess we can talk about my story. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, like having to explain those uh, appraisals and contingencies and stuff gives people a better idea of like how I can explain this. So um, basically in the beginning of this year, my client had bought a home. It needed some work. Um, he bought it. He did the work that needed it needed. 
And um, this was early in the year, remind you, this was before March, April, May, June. And since then, he had bought it for a lower price, but way below he, what he had gotten his appraisal for during the time. We're almost 12, 12 months since then. And he is currently able to benefit off of those appraisal gap guarantees that were used in the future to get those homes for the people in that directed area you spoke about. So now everyone's asking, you know, what's up with the price? Well, I can tell you one thing what's up with the price is that so many people had guaranteed a specific higher price on properties in that surrounding area, driving my clients home up to get top dollar. And that's, that's essentially it. So a lot of these homes have been drove up. So now my client's able to benefit off of this, you know, and if you're a seller, you should be really, really looking at your, your options right now, because you can make out with so much more money now, currently, instead of next year, having to wait. Well, wouldn't, I mean, the, the argument to that though, if I wait till next year, won't these numbers keep going up? Uh, no, I mean, because people are going to notice that these numbers have gone up so drastically, they didn't think about what other people were doing until they decided like themselves to start looking. So of course the prices are going to be driven by the buyers that are looking mm -hmm. no matter what. So if people are having issues with having to pay this price, then that's going to have to shift the market a little, but it's not going to be as much as a, an appraisal gap guarantee of $30,000. I can tell you that it could be a five or $10,000 market difference but it's not going to be something drastic like what we were seeing before in the yeah. year. Yeah. It'll no, be a I, smidge difference. <laughs> it'll, it'll be different. I mean, it's hard to predict the future. I was just throwing a curveball for you <laughs> to see. Yeah. And everyone, I, mean, I, I get those questions. I get those questions too. We and it's like, do. we don't know what the market can yeah. do. The market can completely stop tomorrow. It's not, I mean, I don't see any, there's no uh, circumstances for us in our market of a crash or anything like that, but there's the inevitable going to be a slowdown. There's going to be a pullback. There's going to be a drop a little sure. bit you know, maybe five, 10 Priorities. percent. Yeah. So there's going to be, there's going to be a shift at some point here and mm -hmm. a, a complete crash. There's no evidence and there's no, nothing, no data to support that at this moment. Exactly. Um, so the other question I get asked, or I get, we get asked too, um, when we're buying, when we're working with buyers, especially in this market, um, even yes. in, in, uh, in this current market for us in Arizona, we're getting into our busy season. So January, February, March, April, May is our busy season. And even right now with COVID has changed everything. I mean, we've had a year, a record year this year where typically July and August is our slowest months here, which I know in a lot of parts of the country, <laughs> That's your busiest months. But when it's 120 yeah. degrees here, everyone is leaving and going up north <laughs> or going out of state or going on vacation. So it's not as busy. Mm -hmm. But these last two years, uh, 2020 and 2021, it's been consistent. We haven't seen a slowdown. It's just been consistent buying and selling and buying and selling. And um, so that really hasn't changed anything. We've had the number, you know, our numbers haven't gone down at all. Yeah. So, what I'm, what buyers are, are coming to me with now is when we, when I show them a property and it's a hot property, I know it's going to go for over asking and we're probably going to have to waive contingencies. Uh, buyers are still saying, or buyers are saying, why would I pay over an appraised value? Why would I pay <laughs> over, you know, why would anyone pay over an appraised value? And that's a good question. I mean, it's like, why, why would you? Well, one, if you want the house in this market, 
you're yeah. going to have, you have, you don't really have much of a choice. It's well, it's like you start comparing wants and needs and then well, exactly. people want, want more and want more of this and square footage and all of that. And that's what takes over instead of, you know, what are people needing? Well, it's supply and demand. There's oh, no completely. supply and there's a ton of demand. So if, yes. with that, I mean, there's going to be for in, in our current market right now, there's five buyers for every one home on the market. So if, if it's a hot home, there's going to be a lot more buyers for that one home because a lot of people are, are looking for very similar things, you know, updated this, mm -hmm. that good price, good location, good school districts, all that stuff. So when you find the perfect home for yourself, chances are you're going to have another 30, 40, 50 people that are, is also the perfect home for them too. So you're going to be competing against that. And when there's only one of those available, you got the price is going to go up until, until it weeds out the people that yep. don't want to pay that. So where I'm getting at with this is why would someone pay over appraised value? Because here, and here's a, here's a good analogy of why, or why you should one, if you want to get the property and you want to get in today, in today's market with the low interest rates that we have with the supply yes. that's available, sometimes you don't really have much of a choice. So let's say you spend $25,000 over the appraised value and we close on your home and six months goes down that your home is now a comparable property for the next three, four, five, six homes that come up for sale in the neighborhood that are just as nice and are going to be priced just a little bit higher or a lot higher, depending. Well, now when that home sells and let's say that home there sells for $25,000 more than what you paid for your home. Well, guess what? That is now the new comparable. So if you paid $450 for yours and that home, you know, in say in July, you paid $450 and that was $25,000 more than the last home that mm -hmm. sold, the last comparable at $425. And then another home comes up for sale for 475 and that one closes that 475 or 500. Well, guess what? That comparable, that $500,000 comparable is now the new comparable. And granted, they use more than one property. They use a few, but you're going to have a much, you're going to have that built in equity now. So now you're, you, you were underwater quote unquote for $25,000 because you've overpaid the appraised value, but now you have 25,000 in equity because that new comp is 475. Mm -hmm. You so, know, and then, well, to go off your point is how is this? Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought there. Never mind. <laughs> totally lost it. Well, I mean, it's just like these people have to think, you know, is this really going to keep doing this? Oh, and, you know, the point is, is like, how long is this difference going to take? So is this so, difference going to take like a six month period, one year period, or is this going to take like two or two year period until you're almost making twice as much or triple or whatever? It, I mean, it depends. It depends on how many homes are being sold in that neighborhood. You know what yeah. the turnover rate in that neighborhood is. If one home gets sold every year, then it could take, then it'll take over a year. But mm -hmm. if a lot of homes right now with the, where prices are at, we're seeing neighborhoods that are turning over a lot a lot more quickly. And typically when one home comes on the market, then another home comes on home comes on the market. And then another one, then people start saying, Oh my God, I can get this for my home. Maybe I want to buy something different. Maybe I want to move. Maybe I want to relocate. So you'll typically see mm -hmm. as more as, as soon as a for sale sign goes in a, in a neighborhood, that neighborhood starts to slowly transition sometimes quicker than others, but uh, you'll see a, a transition in this market where there's no inventory. It doesn't take that long. It could be six months to a year to recoup yeah. that, uh, that difference in a normalized market where the supply and demand is, is virtually the same or right around the same. There's just as many buyers as there are sellers. It can take longer because those prices then start to hover and they don't just start to 
uh, continually increase. Yeah. So I like it. I, where, where I'm getting at with that is that don't feel scared of, of uh, going over appraised value or paying a little bit over appraised value because in six months to a year to a two, you know, a year and a half from now, it's not going to make a difference. If you can afford the payment and the payment's okay with you and you have yes. the, the means to do, to pay the difference. I'm not saying to clear out all your accounts and sell everything. <laughs> like an arm and a leg. Yeah. Exactly. We're not saying like no. do the 30, go extreme, go big or go home. No, Even but a if couple you, thousand works for some people. Exactly. And then, I mean, the other thing is, what do you do? What's your option? You continue renting rents here. We are now, <laughs> we are the second state or the second highest um, increase in rents. Um, in the entire country. The only mm. uh, state that, or the only city that has this beat is Miami at 25%. Our rents have increased that. last year at 19%. Our rents went up and you're literally paying someone else's mortgage. You're throwing money mm. onto someone else's mortgage <laughs> and making them more rich and making them more wealthy and having them more, uh, giving them more equity because you're paying down their yeah. mortgage. So why not I mean, put that towards yourself? It's your own property. Always, always. Always want to put the money where your mouth is and put it towards yourself, your investment and your future. And this is exactly why we have these conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think, uh, I think we beat to death appraisals, no? <laughs> yes. Um, if someone comes out of this and doesn't know about appraisals, they definitely need to reach out to us because we could talk about this even more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I would say, you know, if you have more questions, uh, feel free to leave a comment or reach out to us. Our, con our contact yes. information is in the podcast. Um, and we're, we're human. So we do respond, um, believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. we're not just on not the internet and just like flying around, you know, creating these things. We're here to help out and educate, um, and so, yeah, if there is, if you guys have questions on any of that stuff, uh, by all means, shoot us a comment or reach out to us on, uh, on Instagram or however you guys want to reach out to us. Um, we're here to answer questions on, on that stuff. But I think, um, as for today, I think our talk on appraisals, I think we covered pretty much everything that I've been experiencing and yep. yourself as well. Likewise. Yes. Well, let's, uh, let's end the podcast for today and we'll see you guys next week. Got it. Thanks you guys.